is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. You know what? I got to talk about last week's show before I get into this week's show. Thanks for all of you that ended up calling in. I greatly appreciate it. Great topic. And one of the reasons why I call it a great topic is because it is so centered right now in Toronto. And I almost didn't feel like I could say enough of my piece. And I hope you will give me a little bit of leeway first thing at the start of the hour right here on News Talk 1010 Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. Last week, I threw out that I asked everybody, do you believe that we should crack down on foreign buyers. And one of the things that I got from an interpretation that a lot of people thought that foreign buyers were also coming in and starting using our hospitals, our pension systems, and everything else. So by definition, folks, a foreign buyer, a foreign investor, means that they're not living here. This is simply a place that they're parking money from another country. They call another country home. They're really not here. So they're not taxing our system at all. So I just wanted to get clarity on that before you know we talk any more about it. Because what I felt was a lot of people were saying, hey, Todd, you know what? Somebody buys. They're making all the money from the real estate and they're coming in and they're using our hospitals and they're putting people in and they're using our our pension system. Well, no, that means that they have to be landed immigrants. And there's a big difference before we open up the coffers to that one. So foreign buyers are totally, totally different folks. It is the fact that they do not live here. So the one thing though, is that, you know, we talked about Joe Oliver and about his house and it's interesting now he wants to, wants to probably sneak that one in, make sure that we get the four buyer, the, the foreign buyer tax in there, maybe reducing condominium, uh, you know, c- competition right now, but he did quite well in Witchwood Park there, just over 4 million selling his place. Wonder if a foreign buyer bought it. You know, it'd be interesting to find out if we could find that out. Who knows? But one of my suggestions, and I throw this out there because I want, I, I, you know, again, uh, Mr. Tory, thanks for listening every single week. I know you're very interested in uh, my show here, Simply Real Estate. And of course, Miss Wynn, uh, you know, our premier, thanks for tuning in every single week. I know that you listen with, you know, eagerness waiting for me to give you some advice. And so I think I'm going to throw my advice into the hat for these two folks Uh, because you know what? I'm glad that they're listening, or at least I'm thinking they are. And maybe I'm just, you know, you know, a pipe dream here that they actually tune in. But here's the thing. I know everybody was jumping up and down saying the fact that we should throw 15% buyer's tax against foreign buyers because they think that they're overheating our market, even here in Toronto, as they did in Vancouver. I'm going to disagree 100%. I don't believe that we have the same percentage, but I believe that there should be a foreign buyer tax. I just think we were asking for it on the wrong end. And where we should be asking for it is on a flip. So in other words, if they're buying it to flip it, that's where we're going to get them on the tax. Now, there already is a foreign buyer tax out there when they sell. And it's normally 25%. But I think we increase it. And why the reason why you increase it is because it'll stop the flipping. Now, here's part of our issue, though. We've got a lot of builders that are counting on the foreign buyers. We've got a lot of brand new condos being built. In fact, they have even special showings for groups that do not live in the country because they're buying up, you know, 10, 20, 30 floors. And if this is the case, one of the reasons why they're doing it is based on speculation. And prior to the completion of the property, they're going to assign these. What I'd like to see enforced is that foreign investors cannot assign a deal. So if you're going to buy it, you're going to own it. 
if you're going to get title to it, we can tax it. But the idea of just allowing everybody to come in and do a quick flip, which by the way, one of the builders in Vancouver is starting to feel the heat that he's going to lose a bigger percentage of his building because the foreign buyers are going to walk away because they don't want to pay the tax. Well, Here's the thing. If they turn around and they assign, that means they're just going to take the money and run. So there's no way of really tracking. Assignment's tough to track. CRA's trying to catch up, but they're probably 10 years behind on it. So here's the most important thing. If you're a foreign buyer, you must close. So a foreign investor, not, not foreign buyer, because if you want to come to immigrate to Canada, great. But if you're a foreign investor, you must close. You can't assign. And up to the first zero to five years, why not pay 50% capital gains? Okay. And forget it's 50% on the 50%. It should be 50% on the whole. So if you turn around and for five years, your property goes up by a hundred thousand, you pay 50,000 in taxes. I think that's what the solution should be. Get it on the back end. If anybody budges, anybody moves. And on top of that, hit them with a vacancy tax identify that it is a foreign investor. And if the property does show vacant, forget about this self-proclamation that yes, oh, by the way, we do have a tenant. No, that's what they're doing in Vancouver. And it's silly. What you have to do is you actually just have a task force that turns around and say, great foreign ownership. Here's what we do. We're going to go knock on the door. We'll take a walk through. If nobody lives there, then we're going to hit you with the tax every single year. I think that that's the way you do it. So you're going to cut down on the speculation. This makes more sense because what they did was irresponsible in Vancouver and affected way too many Canadians by turning around knee-jerk reaction tax in. So what I'd like to see them do is actually do it on the back end where it matters. You know what? If you think you're getting you know enough taxes on the front end, what happens if the property goes up for the next five years? You're going to get more money. So did you hear me, Premier and Mayor and Actually, Mr. Trudeau, if you're listening, you want more money out of foreigners, then turn around and get it on the back end because let the values go up and you're going to turn around and you're going to get more that way. And it makes more sense. Do not play with the market. There's a lot of people that would agree with this philosophy because we have to be very careful because so many of you are truly invested in real estate that you have to make sure that this whole thing doesn't collapse around us. We're going to have to wait Vancouver out. I don't know if it's going to be in the end going to be catastrophic to Vancouver or if it's going to flatten or if it's going to go backwards. Right now, BC, the numbers are down. And we, you know, we're going to see if the demand will eventually balance. But at the same time, do we really want to do that in Toronto? No, I think if we turn around and put this tax on any ownership what it goes to spin, meaning if they turn around and flip it, that's where we're going to get your money and you're going to get more money. So you know what? This in itself, I think will slow down foreign investment, but we still don't have as many as everybody thinks. And I think that we have to be aware of that. Now, speaking of numbers, yes, I know Toronto is crazy and we're looking at 20% increase this year. It's a big, big number. Um, but you know, the amazing thing is, is that people are still out there buying. They're still competing. They're still trying to get these offers. There's a few people that, you know, are starting to realize, hey, listen, it's not worth it. Let's not compete. Let's repair our home. In fact, the number of renovations is way up. Now, that's a multi-billion dollar industry. John Carlo Silfidis has been on with us several times from Build. And I have to recommend that, you know, folks, if you want to reach out, great avenue to go. And uh, one of the things that John Carlo and I had a conversation with is the fact 
fact that we're going to see, we see more and more people um, you know, going the renovation route. In other words, they're taking their current property, realizing that they're only going to be trading for a bigger debt. And so what they're doing is they're actually renovating. So they're adding, uh, you know, invested equity into the property. It makes a lot of sense. So they're improving where they are because they like where they are. So again, you have lots of options when dealing with real estate. And this is one of the great things about real estate is that you can do more and more with it. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, we will be talking uh, in a little while with uh, Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. You've heard that name quite a few times here on the show. Uh, Dave is definitely an expert in the mortgage industry, been in it for years. And uh, I'm going to have a lot of questions for Dave talking about the market itself. Is it going, you know, where the way we think it is? Are we going to see interest rates go up? Are they going to stay stagnant for the next few years? And uh, let's get his take on the Toronto situation with foreign investors. Let's see if somebody that is dealing with mortgages every single day is seeing foreign investment in Toronto as strong as it is in Vancouver. Be interesting conversation always is with Dave, so make sure you stay tuned for the rest of the hour because he's going to be joining me shortly. Um, On top of that, I don't know if you heard in the news, Mississauga is just uh, getting a, you know, the hint of a new project. It's through Rogers. And yep, Mr. Ted Rogers' company is decided to throw a whole whack of money into Mississauga, right near Burnham Thorpe, right in that square one corridor there. And uh, thousands of units going to be built, a lot of towers, a lot of infrastructure. Looks like construction could start uh, maybe even as soon as next year. Big, big development approved. Uh, I think it was Mary, uh, Mayor Bonnie Crombie uh, is the one who was just announcing it this week in conjunction for the uh, city of Mississauga. And so, yeah, very, very important. Um, so for us, we're looking at it and waiting to see what happens. So um, again, in Mississauga, it's going to be a, a big, big uh, project. So what else is happening in the market? Well, I got to tell you, um, Watching uh, the uh, the rest of the Canada, definitely not the same numbers that we're seeing out of Toronto. As I said, Vancouver's uh, kind of stabilizing, but with the rest of Canada, there's a few stragglers. Maritimes continue to struggle, and we're hoping that uh, they're going to see a little bit of an uptick with the foreign buyers. That would help. Uh, folks, go to the East Coast. It's probably a great place for you to live, and uh, you know what? Or invest at least, because uh, the real estate there is a lot less expensive and it would definitely help different parts of it. So, you know, it's interesting. Like I said, I'm always sitting there talking about real estate. And speaking of real estate, we'll talk about real estate investment quickly. Coming up on October 19th is the Simple Seminar. It's the only one that we're doing in the fall. There'll be no more seminars through 2016. October 19th, 7 p.m., usual location, Mississauga Convention Center. Folks, we've only got seating for 250. We've already got 210 people registered. So if you want to make it, go to thesimpleinvestor.com and make sure you register for the final seminar, the simple seminar of the year. I'm going to be talking a lot about who makes the best tenant. Uh, We're going to talk about some financing. We're also going to talk about the simple RRSP program. You're going to want to know more, so make sure you join us on October 19th. When we come back, I've got Dave Butler joining me, so stay with us. We'll be right back.
Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. As I had mentioned in the first segment, um, you know, a lot of you have heard my next guest uh, on regular basis here. And one of the reasons why I bring him on so much is that we need experience. We need people that are knowledgeable. We need people that have been in the industry for many, many years. A lot of you people will know based on commercials, Butler Mortgage. But more importantly, Dave Butler uh, is now my guest. And Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. You know, it's kind of funny. You and I do a lot of phone interviews, Dave. And, and, and this time we decide to haul you down here because, you know, I wanted to be able to spend a little bit more time with you because, you know, just a quick overview, of course, you've been in the uh, in the mortgage business for a long time now. Uh, your dad also, uh, founder of uh, Butler Mortgage originally, you know, you guys have been in it, you know, what, 20, 25 years roughly? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when we talk about mortgages, I know that each year Butler probably does in the hundreds of mortgages, you've got a lot of satisfied clients out there. Um, but more importantly, you know, you've got, a, you've got a kind of a unique approach to doing things and maybe you can share kind of that approach with some of our listeners. Well, yeah. I mean, in particular, Butler Mortgage is comprised of two teams, essentially. You have my father and my brother's team that focuses, obviously, a lot on dealing with the general public, a lot of advertising. And then you've got my team, which is really more investor-focused. I work with, obviously, with some of your clients, Todd, and with other investment clubs. And really, at the end of the day, we've become focused on working with investors, helping them make plans to be able to buy multiple properties, if that's what they're trying to do, and ultimately just kind of manage their mortgage portfolio. So, you know, Dave, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people recognize and, you know, I, we're, we're going to, I'm going to ask you for a lot of tips in a little while, but a lot of people struggle when we talk about investor mortgages, a lot of people struggle getting multiple mortgages. Are you finding that's going to get easier or harder in the future? I mean, you know, we see all sorts of rules and regulations changing. Is it going to get harder for people to get, you know, multiple mortgages or what's going to happen in the industry? I would say to you that in the last 10 years, it's gotten increasingly more difficult to be able to get an investor the amount of properties that they desire. Um, And that's really not getting the properties, it's just getting approved for the mortgages. Um, Many, many lenders have cut back on the amount of mortgages they will give to somebody. Many lenders have, you know, certain criteria where, for instance, TD Bank says, if you have more than five rental properties in total, we won't give you any more. Scotiabank says, if you have five mortgages with them, you won't get any more. So it becomes a bit of a planning game. But to to answer your question, the truth is, is that is it going to get harder? I think so. I mean, I think as as the market gets crazier and crazier, as we're seeing, uh, there's certainly the the banks will start to pull back on certain things. And we've seen it. Um, You know, certain lenders are still providing us with great options. And uh, and we've still got the ability to get several properties. I mean, I'm still not, I'm not in the point where we're not able to get our investors what they want. But certainly, the, the the path to get what we want is getting a little harder. Well, it's interesting because when when people talk about numbers, you know, it's normally a mathematical equation. And one of the things that I don't know if people are aware of that when you own an investment property, they don't naturally just take the natural rent in your calculation. You know, so for instance, if somebody turns around and says, listen, I'm getting a thousand dollars a month rent, they don't deem that as the thousand dollars. They normally prorate it. A lot of times lenders will go 50% of that because they're working on ratios. Now, this is this is a little bit newer because years ago they used to, you know, dollar for dollar, you know, we've seen things change now. And so in your opinion, you know, how are they going to make things a little stricter? Because, you know, you and I are going to talk all sorts of things today because it's great having you here. But 
are 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 we seeing the banks crack down? I mean, because you know, of course, everybody's screaming bubble right now. Everybody's getting a little bit nervous that they're overextending themselves. But a lot of people aren't aware that when you buy an investment property, it doesn't matter if the market goes up or down. As long as your tenant continues to pay your debt, there's no reason for you to sell. So, you know, how is it that we're going to be able to get, you know, people qualified and, you know, are the banks going to lighten up and realize that rent is rent and it's a good rental market, so they should look at it a little bit stronger? I, I, do, I do wish they'd look at it a little bit differently, but uh, to, to echo your comments there, uh, yeah, we have, there's certain lenders that are definitely not doing a dollar per dollar, so on the rental to the expenses. So you've got, for instance, Scotiabank, other lenders like that, that are using a 50% of the rental offset. So they're basically taking 50% of the rental income minus the mortgage payment, minus the property taxes and whatever's left from that is now getting applied to the ratios. And what I mean by the ratios, I mean the income to debt service ratio. So the higher your ratios go, the less likely you're getting approved. So you know, so for, certainly someone having a bunch of properties where the bank is only using 50%, this could drive your TDS ratio higher and allow you to not be able to maybe purchase some of those properties. And that's where the planning has come in because we have certain lenders that will do 50%, some lenders will do 80%, some lenders will even do what's called a DCR calculation where it's actually using a lot more close to 100% of the rents, but then they're also building in extra expenses like insurance and whatnot. So, you know, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to a planning aspect, but for certain, we want to get those lenders that are a little more tougher on the rental income, get them out of the way first. And then eventually when we start to accumulate more properties, we want to go to the lenders that are allowing us to use maybe a DCR calculation, which is a little more favorable to the ratios. Okay, so now I'm going to break it down to English for most people because Dave, Dave, Dave of course, you know, gets, gets on a real roll there. So let's make it simple. Um, Dave, so GDS ratio is gross debt service, yes. right? So that's the amount that people owe. They take a look at your income. So when, when we start talking about incomes like TDS ratios, total debt service, you know, there are different calculations and there's a certain percentage that the banks need you to fall under. So it could be, let's say, a GDS ratio. So that's your gross debt service. That means that you could be looking at something in the neighborhood of around 30 to 34%. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it, depending on credit, it could all be, be all the way up to 39. Okay, so when we take those percentages, now what happens is now you've got to pay the mortgage of an investment property, and they'll add back a certain percentage of the income to increase your income, so they start looking at debt, correct? Correct. Yeah, I mean, basically... Sorry, I, I sorry to break it down, no, but, no, we, no. you know, this is called Simply Real Estate, and, and when you fly through some stuff like that, I want to break it down for our I listeners. completely apologize. Yeah, I mean, basically, the ratios are a huge key to getting approved. I mean, if you break down a mortgage application and, and how it's going to get approved, it's effectively three main things. You're looking at your credit, you're looking at your income to debt service ratios, and then you're looking at the down payment. Obviously, with investors, a lot of times, we're not going to have an issue on credit, and we're not going to have an issue on down payment. So really, our issue is going to end up being on the income to debt service ratio. So as you're speaking to, we've got GDS and TDS ratio requirements that we have to stay under. And so, of course, if you're buying a bunch of rental properties and the lender's only using 50% of the rental income, you could end up finding your, your TDS ratio and your GDS ratio starting to move up. And that's really what we're trying to obviously avoid by then moving to lenders that may use a DCR calculation and, and other higher calculations. Alrighty. So, uh, folks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have uh, Dave stay put when we come back. We're going to uh, continue to break down the numbers for you. So when we come back after this message, we'll be right back and we'll have more with Dave Butler. So stay with us. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more 
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you definitely just missed a mathematical equation a few minutes ago with my guest, Dave Butler, talking about how you qualify with mortgages. Uh, We were talking about investor mortgages, but we can break it down to your own mortgage, actually, your personal mortgage. And uh, Dave, you know, just before the break, you you and I were talking about how people qualify. We were talking about debt ratios, things that, you know, are, are most of our listeners, you know, it's interesting because. I think most people sit there and say, well, I make a lot of money. I went on the website of the banks. I keyed in what I want. I keyed in what I make. And they said I could qualify. There's a lot more to qualifying for a mortgage than that, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, especially if you, you know, you're an investor with investment properties as well, because that has to get figured in. And that's usually not something that's going to be sitting there on the, on the bank calculator. Um, but yes, there's also your, any car loans you have, any credit card payments you have, um, Maybe you have a cottage, maybe you have a mortgage on your cottage. And so that obviously has to also be counted into the ratios as well. So those calculators are cool because they'll, they'll definitely let you know, give you a kind of a ballpark. But if you ever really want to figure out what the exact to the penny, what your pre-approval is or what you can afford, you definitely want to speak to either a, a banker or a mortgage broker, anyone that's going to be able to really sit down with you and go over your application and show you your whole ratios, your GDS, your TDS, because that's really what you're looking for. Actually, what they should be doing is calling Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage, okay, and and that's okay. I'm I'm 100% behind that. So um, so one of the things though, Dave, is that when when you and I talk, because you know obviously you know we've uh, we we've got a lot of business dealings uh, in the past, and we continue to do so. You're part of our RSP program that we're now doing. You're part of our investor base. Uh, you know, investors are coming to you for investor mortgages. By the way, folks, um, Dave and his uh, staff do amazing work. But more importantly, when we when we we try to simplify things and make things realistic for people and you know, there's always the people that sit there and they, they've always wanted to own an investment property, but they're not sure how they do it. So getting a pre-qualification, even for an investment property, is probably a really smart idea. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're an investor and you're, you're looking to go and purchase rental properties, I think the first thing you should be doing is getting a plan together. And that's what a mortgage broker is supposed to do for you. They will put a plan together as far as what you can afford, what type of investment properties you should be looking at that are going to get the favorable financing. Um, but definitely, I mean, you shouldn't, if I was you know, an investor, I wouldn't want to run out and just buy a property and then figure out the financing after. It's a very integral part of moving forward and investing in properties. I mean, we want to be able to know that we're getting the right rates and we're getting the right optimal situation for us to invest in. Um, certainly, we want to make sure we're not buying a property and then finding out afterwards we're going to be stuck in a mortgage that's at 5% interest rate. Uh, so having the plan set up, knowing what we're doing uh, is certainly a huge key, in my opinion, to investing in real estate. Well, this, this, is, this is one of the things I think that we can also talk about, of course, is the fact that with, um, with pl- making plans in investment, um, you know, it's not just if you're saying, okay, I'm going to buy one today and you set yourself up for the one. It's how many properties do you really want to buy? Because that way you can gauge, you know, um, what, what's the first one have to look like? You got to make sure your rent's coming in. You have proof of income from that one. If you're going to do the next stage, you're going to buy another one. You know, you got to gauge your timing, your deposits, or sorry, your down payments, everything. So 
Are you able to create a plan for people? Yeah, that's that's basically what my team is known for, is that we are kind of the planners for investors. A lot of times I look at my job very differently as, as opposed to just being a mortgage broker. When I'm working with investors, I really do look at myself more as something like a sports agent. And my, my clients, my investors are the professional athletes and uh, the banks are just the teams. And effectively, that's really how I look at it. And I, I treat it that way and we make plans and we are, you know, effectively, I want my investor to tell me everything that's going on in their life financially so that I can make my plans and move move forward accordingly. But certainly without a plan, I, I just I don't necessarily see how moving forward in, in the right foot is going to be done. So my my take has always been this. Um, you know, when people want to buy investment properties, you know, like you said, like like you said, you know, we're gonna we, we create a plan and then it's really trying to achieve the right properties. Um you know, cash flow, a lot of people are doing speculation right now. It's probably harder for you to get somebody to qualify for a speculative property. For instance, the ones that have negative cash flow. Are you struggling with that, especially with the prices the way they are today? So if, if, if somebody's in a negative cash flow, obviously, that's going to affect their GDS ratio even more so. Is that more of a struggle? Like, should people be, you know, astute enough to say, look, you know what? Yeah, I get it. I'm speculating. But I'm going to have a lot t- a tougher time achieving a mortgage when I'm negative $500 a month in cash flow. Yeah, negative cash flow is definitely going to affect our ratios in a negative way. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, when you're running a negative cash flow, you're going to have ratio issues potentially. And the banks don't necessarily love applications where the property they're buying is already going to run a negative. Um, that will affect the ratios slightly. It's also going to affect the DCR calculation. And of course, ultimately, the only way to offset that is by having a very, very, very large income. So if our client, let's say our investor, has you know a tremendously high income, but they've got a couple negative cash flow properties, that may not be a humongous effect to that particular application. But if the income, let's say, for instance, is, you know, at a very normal level, uh, not extraordinarily high, not extraordinarily low, um, then certainly running negative cash flow properties is going to certainly hurt us as far as planning and buying more. So, you know, one of the things that I think uh, a lot of our, our, our people want to focus on, obviously, is the fact that, you know, they want they want to create portfolios. And, you know, do, when we do our seminars, and hey, by the way, folks, um, just to remind you, October 19th is the next Simple Seminar coming up at the Mississauga Convention Center. And uh, you know what? We've only got a few seats left, actually. Dave, you know what? We've got, we normally can ha- hold a room up to 250 people. We've got 210 registered already. <laughs> and amazing. so, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a great night. Um, and so just if you're interested, folks, you know, uh, again, October 19th, go to the simpleinvestor.com today to register. But more importantly, one of the things I've noticed uh, is that a lot of people want to, you know, they want to go out and they want to buy. Uh, they want they want to be able to, you know, basically have positive cash flow, but they're always worried about the speculation. We can talk about the market now because the market itself, you know, we're in an interesting market. Do you see? Do you see the market continuing? Do you see an adjustment? I get asked this question all the time, but you know, from your perspective, because you're 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 part of the financial, you know, strength here in Canada, understanding what your all your underwriters are talking about, what people are looking at, you know, banks pulling back. What do you think? Are we going to maintain the marketplace? Is it going to just is it going to go stagnant on us, or is it going to go backwards? The question of the century. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at all and the can, fact- I have six, can, can I also have six little winning lottery ticket numbers for this next draw? 
Um, you you know, probably do better with that one, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you may you may do better actually with that one. But I, I think it's you know when you when you talk about a, a you know potential bubble and you talk about when will it end? When you know is it going to keep going? Um, I think a real key factor to look at is got to be the interest rates. Um, you know, right now with the interest rates in the low twos, pretty much across the board on a five-year product, you're going to find that it's it's in a way it's almost tough not to qualify for you know any regular home buyer. Um, you know, it's certainly a lot tougher to not qualify when you have the rates that low. It's 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 you know you can ha- I've got clients where they've got a let's say forty forty five thousand dollar income, you know, and uh, on off affordability and off their application they can actually qualify for it. You know, let's say a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home at five percent down payment. So you know when you've got that type of a market, you know, in those market conditions where you know you've got a lot of people that are able to buy homes because of the interest rates, you know, you're going to see it continue on for a while. Now, what will change this, in my personal opinion, is the rates have to go up. If the rates don't go up, then we're going to keep seeing this this kind of this this market and this activity. Um, if you, the rates are ever getting to the fours and fives, I definitely think we're going to see a slowdown. I think that's just a natural. I think anyone doing the math is going to see that same type of thing. But every other condition that's out there, as far as Canada goes, we're not necessarily in a position where the government's looking at it, raising the interest rates. The bond yields are staying very constant. So as far as right now, I mean, I don't see any factors that are going to cause the market to make a big change. But certainly we have to be very cognizant of the fact that when interest rates do start to rise, that is likely going to be the tipping point for when we see we'll may now start to see the market make some changes okay well listen that i i agree with your analogy i definitely would have to say that uh, looking at the overall interest rates changing in the next two three years i think from an economic standpoint almost impossible i agree and so this is one of those things that I think we're going to keep our eyes on. And, um, you know, uh, again, the market the market itself, well, I'll tell you what, how about when we come back, you and I can kind of chop up Canada. We'll talk about our markets, where we think they're going to go, where they potentially are going, and uh, some of the factors that are going to hurt us potentially, and that's foreign buyer tax. But we'll talk about that when we come back. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Uh, my uh, my guest uh, today has been Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. I'm sure you hear the jingle, but more importantly, you will hear Dave on with me on a regular basis, very knowledgeable in mortgages, and he's right here in the studio with me. We've been having a, a good chat today, Dave, and, you. Uh, you know, talking about all sorts of interesting things. And, you know, just before the break, you and I were talking about the fact that interest rates are probably going to stay put for a little while and a lot of factors, you know, obviously leading that way. But I got to tell you, you know, one of the things that we've noticed in the news, and, and I think you pick up on it because you and I talk on a regular basis, you know, there's another announcement from the Bank of Canada. There's another announcement from this lender. There's never, you know, there's never a day that has gone by, I think, that I can't open up the newspaper and find something about real estate or something about mortgages. And it's never been more prevalent ever, I think, historically than it is right now. I would agree. Uh, you know, even 
what, 12, 13 years ago when I got out of uh, U of T and started uh, with my father uh, in mortgages. I mean, it was just, not, it wasn't, it doesn't feel like it was at the, the level, at least with uh, with just the media and everything else. Everybody's talking mortgages. I mean, it's a big thing. It's, it's a lot of people, I think, have realized that owning real estate is a very, very, very big piece of their of their family life uh, and moving forward and their family's, you know, net worth. And of course now, so with that comes mortgages. And so we've also got now more and more social media and everything else. So it's, so, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's so I a have topic. To I have to correct you on some of the first, first, first and foremost, just so this is simply real estate, not simply mortgage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everybody talks real estate first. Okay. So let's talk, everybody talks real estate and then they talk mortgage. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I put the two to me every day. The two, the, the two, the two go same hand in hand. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I know I, they, they do. And I only just, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, it, it is amazing because people do talk about, you know, it, it's, it's amazing because they talk about how expensive properties are and how cheap they get their mortgage. Now, you know, you and I are talking about, you know, markets and interest rates potentially going up in the future. And you mentioned that, listen, if, 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 if interest rates go to that four or 5%, I think that, you know, your, your, your take on it, that you would see the market stall out a little, um, I got to I got to tell you this, and 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 I think most of our listeners would agree. I think if they go to three percent, it's going to have that effect. It could, and yeah. and it's because people are so sensitive now that you know back if you remember back in in somewhere around like two thousand and nine, yeah, we had a bit of a bubble, but we saw it. We we've seen upward pressure about two or three times where mortgage rates creeped up back over three percent over that ten year period between two thousand and two thousand and ten, and in real estate we would used we used to watch it all of a sudden the market would all almost have this massive hiccup where all of a sudden everybody would stop buying. Well, if I can't get a mortgage rate under 3%, I'm not buying. And you got to think to yourself, wow, are you kidding? You're that sensitive to it? But is it because everybody is just a trying to achieve the payment? You know, like but the difference between a mortgage at 3% and 3.1% really is not that much of a monthly payment, but they're so strict on the monthly payment. Is that, what, is that what's driving everything? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a factor. Um, you know, you, you, you look at all, all factors considered, and uh, uh, the payment is going to be a major thing. Um, you know, I think I think obviously you've got amortizing. You've got the government changing amortizations years ago, moving them down. <laughs> Do you remember forty percent? I, I remember the forty-year AM. So I mean, to me, it's it's funny that you know when I started in this business, it was a twenty-five-year AM. That was it. I mean, there was no discussion or anything else. And then as years went on, it went to a thirty, then a thirty-five, and then a forty. And then of course we saw the two thousand eight kind of mini crash. And then essentially you saw everything kind of the insurers started to realize some of their errors and they moved back. So I mean, if you certainly got you know when you're putting down less than 20% down payment, you're on a maximum 25-year amortization. Um, you know, when you're putting over 20% down payment, you could do a 30-year. So when you got that factors, those factors are definitely going to be involved. And, and it really just comes back to what you're saying, which is payment, right? It's all about the payment. And that's really what everybody's looking at is the higher the prices are going, the more and more and more conscious everyone's going to be about that little extra 0.1 or that 0.2. You know, it's interesting because I equate it almost to the car industry. You know, when you take a look at the cars right now, you can turn around and, and you make your, I love the bi-weekly payment, you know, approach where they sit there and say, you can own this, you know, not a shout out to any, any specific company, Chrysler, GM, whoever, but you can own it for $199 bi-weekly. And by the way, we'll let you pay it off for the next 10 years. 
<laughs> so you may, you know, may as well be a house. I hope you're going to live in the car. I hope it lasts that long. But it, but it's amazing because everything is that dollar value, right? So now people are sitting there saying, you know, I can buy a you know a, a you know five hundred thousand dollar home, and it's going to cost me twelve hundred dollars a month, kind of thing. And and so everybody's looking at that number. It's like I can afford that, so it doesn't matter what the actual debt is. And then people take a, take a look at that car. And by the way, you could have bought a Ferrari. What what you paid for your caravan? You know what I mean? Like the, these these are the things that I think people have to be you know conscious of because again you 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 stretch yourself out so far and you're you're not making a huge dent on things and you got to th- you know got to look at things realistically. Yeah, I mean I th- I think at the end of the day we see a lot of more people looking at payments. I think it's likely a generational thing. Uh, I believe that more and more our younger generation are wanting to, you know, live out their life per se, you know, maybe live a little too early. So they're maybe buying these things that they may not be able to afford. But when you look at the payments and the low interest rates, they can now do this. And I think it speaks back to something that we've talked about on the show, actually, Todd, quite a few times, which was, you know, I get phone calls all the time and my staff gets calls. And, you know, one of the first questions that they're talking about, you know, they ask us is, what's my max? You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, affordability and they want to know what's their max. Um, this has been a huge change, you know, from 10, 12, 15 years ago, where the question a lot of times was, what can I afford? You know, what do you think I should, you know, what do you think I should buy? What's the price range I should get into? And I think the market and where it's going and just this kind of new idealism, you have a lot of people now just figuring out what's the maximum I can get, you know, and they're definitely leveraging themselves, you know, very, very high. And as you said, I mean, they, they could have bought a Ferrari with the money that they spent on a caravan. You know, this is, and, and again, this comes back to, you know, is the government right to try to, and, and, and this is a perfect segue, actually, to try to cool the Toronto market as they did in Vancouver? Because here's the thing. If they force the market down, which I believe they did with Vancouver, when they turn around, put in the foreign buyer tax, and to clarify, I don't believe that we've got the same number of foreign investors here in Toronto as they did in Vancouver, percentage-wise, you know, from, from our overall market, of course, uh, you know, because we, we, we do a lot more transactions here in Toronto than, than they do in Vancouver. But more importantly, um, is it going to be the right thing to try to force the market down? Is this going to hurt the people that are actually in place? Are they going to be smart enough to say, look, it, we don't need to sell. We're just going to ride it out. What do you think? It's interesting. I mean, as you stated, Vancouver and Toronto are, are very different in that uh, in Vancouver, the, the the foreign buyers have been prevalent for, oh, wow. I mean, you know, since Forever. I got in. Yeah, I mean, sure. it feels like that. Yeah. Uh, Toronto is obviously a little different. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's essentially kind of like the New York of, of Canada, whereas I consider maybe Vancouver more the California of Canada. Um, you know, very, you know, you've got a lot of people living in Toronto. Um, you know, it, at the end of the day, a lot of people are living here. You have definitely less foreign uh, buyers, in my opinion, just from my personal experience. Um, so, you know, will what's happening in Vancouver, I think, is very interesting. Every report that I'm sure you and I are reading is that there's definitely been some damage already um, as far as to the market. Um, and then I'm reading stuff about, you know, people, I believe, it, I got I to gotta remember who it was, but I believe I read something about Joe Oliver stating that, um, you know, Toronto will have to have a foreign buyer tax. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, you know, I'm, it, I'm on the fence with it because I want to really see what happens with Vancouver. I want to see what the true effect is of it. This thing, you know, this, 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 this tax that they've imposed um, does not have the, you know, amount of time passed to be able to really judge it. Um, you know, we're also, you know, we're also talking about being in a super hot market and then all of a sudden them 
imposing this tax. So the effect of it could be a lot greater than what's going to happen throughout the course of the year. So it's interesting. We'll see what happens. But I definitely think that Toronto shouldn't necessarily be in line for this because I don't think we have the same volume of foreign buyers that Vancouver has. Yeah, and, and, and I have to agree with that because, you know, when, when the study comes out, and quite frankly, I don't believe anybody's studies nowadays. You know, I, I, I've called a few people out on the show. I've asked, uh, of course, for, um, you know, Premier Wynne to, to reach out and uh, she always knows how to reach us here at News Talk 1010. And, you know, I would love to have them on the show so we can have a hardcore discussion on Toronto real estate. So, um, folks, if you really, really, um, you know, want to have Miss Wynn come and join me here at uh, Simply Real Estate, you know, you can, I'm pretty sure you can send her a note through her office and just ask her to uh, say, hey, listen, join Todd C. Slater uh, four o'clock on Saturday uh, at Simply Real Estate. And he would love to interview you and get your take on it. Because, you know, Dave, one of the things that I'm concerned about, of course, is that they impose a tax like this and it's a bit of a knee jerk. It has, probably has the wrong effect, I think that we do have to do something, but I don't think that the the buyer tax out of the gate is the way to go. I think there's a, probably a lot better and more sensical ways to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, we may even see Vancouver thinking the same thing. I feel like a lot of the decision and the tax been posed out in Vancouver was really public pressure. I don't necessarily know if that was the, you know, the financial decision makers, you know, really, you know, their best idea. I think at the end of the day, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure from Vancouver residents who live and work there that felt they were in a way being, you know, taken advantage of and their uh, affordability being increased by these foreign buyers. So it's it's interesting. I mean, we'll, we will see what happens. Dave, always a real pleasure to have you here on the show. And uh, thanks for joining me here today Thank in you. the studio. Um, you know, we'll definitely have you. Uh, oh, we'll check in with you every once in a while because it sure makes a lot of sense to do it. So uh, Dave Butler, uh, best way for everybody to reach you, of course, is? Uh, best way is uh, email dave.butler at butlermortgages.com. And you can also contact Contact us via phone at one 684 8326 Dave Butler, always a pleasure. And to all of you, our listeners, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today and uh, thank my producer, Ian Grant. As always, I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and I will talk to you next week at 4 p.m. <laughs>